Hey guys, Jackson here with a brief explanation of what you're about to listen to. Friend of the show, Thomas Williams, has a brand new podcast called Big Shiny Goons, where he has sports people on to talk about music, or in at least one case, musicians on to talk about sports. I was the guest this week, and we talked at length about one of my favorite albums of all time, Jeff Rosenstock's Worry. It ended up being a springboard to talking about a bunch of other topics that have always been lurking in the background on Roxy Fever. Uh, Stuff like housing insecurity, gentrification, mental illness, and corporate control of the culture industries. Um, For those of you that enjoyed my solo episode about the 1040 layoffs, this conversation expands on a lot of the same stuff, but with music as the central focus rather than sports media. Thomas was kind enough to let me throw it up on our feed while I finish up the edit for the next uh, official Roxy Fever episode. For those of you that enjoy it, make sure to rate, review, subscribe to Big Shiny Goons on the uh, podcast platform of your choice. And for those of you that aren't interested, we'll see you in a couple days. Big Shiny Goons. Touch them all, Joe! It's only game. Hello and welcome everyone to the show that gets people talking about something else. This is Big Shiny Goons, it's episode 6. I'm your host Thomas and we have a fantastic guest today. They're a freelance writer and the host of the premier, top of the cream of the crop, Vancouver Canucks podcast, Roxy Fever. Uh, Jackson McDonald is here. Jackson, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing great. That's, uh, that means a lot. There's a... Lord knows there are enough Canucks podcasts out there, so it, it's very nice to know someone out there thinks that we're among the best because uh, we've got a lot of competition out here. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to like shit like shit on other podcasts, but um, yeah, like it just rocks here just like fits. It's just like that niche little like drill into the Canucks fandom and just like a peek into the like wild world of that market. It's insane. Yeah, we were like I think discussing off mic recently how nice it's been to have a platform that really is like probably something you get to put more of yourself into than than almost anything else. Like it's not, you know, Roxy Fever isn't like a, an accurate reflection of my entire personality, but it's certainly way more of one than say like just writing was. Um so yeah, it's been really nice to, as we'll get into, I think when we talk a little bit about the record, like I have learned something over time that's really only like just come together recently. And that is that like, it's cool to just make shit for like that, that you would like and just see who else likes it instead of just constantly trying to, you know, uh, monetize every single thing that you do. Yeah, exactly. Like, I even, I feel that with writing too. And just like, I've kind of grown into more of like, I just want to be entertaining, not necessarily of like, this is knowledge that I'm proving a point, like, like leaving my like analytics background writing of like, in this essay, I will prove kind of like structure. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. and And just be like, okay, this guy like punched a dude in the head. And just like cool, like let me just write about this or like and like compare his head to like 
a canned meat or something like yeah totally just, like at this point with like with the internet and stuff like you can write what it, you can write in whatever style you want and put it up and somebody can read it so you know like why why stick yourself into this like kind of cookie cutter idea of like what content you're supposed to make when you have the freedom to just have a platform and do whatever you want you know oh yeah totally just like just the kind of content that people want i think roxy fever is just uh just fits that bill perfectly um well that's nice of you to say i appreciate that (laughs) i mean like yeah like obviously as kind of like someone that has been in like the blogging world or whatever like it's just this kind of movement away from i guess that kind of content like do you feel like the world now has like I guess more so like the blogging or whatever, like media world, especially Vancouver has changed a lot since like you were more involved. Yeah, actually like a lot. It's sort of a funny thing. Um, And once again, like some of this stuff will probably tie into the record a little bit when we get to it. But like the, um, when I took over like managing as the managing editor at Canucks army, um, I realize this now in retrospect, I didn't know at the time, but I was basically like the anti Thomas Drance because when Drance was the managing editor at Canucks army, there was this real concerted effort by him to sort of legitimize it and like make it serious, make it a destination for, you know, Canucks news and analysis kind of like the athletic is now, I guess. Right. Um, and I think that that made perfect sense at the time because there was this struggle for analytics people to be seen as part of the mainstream. And there was this, you know, a uh, very kind of th- looking down your nose at them attitude that the mainstream media had about blogs and stuff. So it made sense that he would want to like take that and legitimize it. But when I took over like four or five years later, there had been this huge brain drain. The athletic comes into town and like uh, grabs a lot of the best like analytics writers like Harmon Dial or whatever. Right, yeah. And there's this it necessitates like a change for what Canucks Army is going to be. And I looked at the landscape and I looked at the kind of content that I wanted to make. And I was like, there'll always be a place here for people who want to do like good um, video analysis or analytics blogging or whatever. But like if we want to like find a new niche with all these, with all this brain drain that happened, like we're going to have to find new types of content to make too. Um, And I was like, I don't want, I just want Canucks army to be a place where like people that don't have access yet and don't have experience yet, just kind of like LARP as professional media members who do have access and experience. Yeah. And so, like, I wanted to do, like, not necessarily the kind of content that I do on Roxy Fever, but more stuff that's, like, a little bit more like that. Like, a little bit more creative, a little bit just, you know, have, like, that healthy um, dose of sort of, like, everyman fan, like, outlook on the game or whatever. And it's funny because, like, in retrospect now, I realize that, um, like, when Tom came in, it was, like, the exact opposite. So it was this very quick, like, very rapid shift or whatever. And um, and so, like, now I think in a weird sort of way, like, a couple years later, 
now the the rest of the community feels like it's kind of caught up to that i know that sounds maybe a little bit self-serving but like now there's all kinds of like weird content out there and and i'm I'm just glad that like shows like our show and shows like trust the process can kind of like shine Mm -hmm. a light on it because otherwise like a lot of people wouldn't know about like you know yerky like finding fucking jimmy vc's van at the air canada center and uh and you know confirming like whether or not he actually drove to the arena and like crazy shit like that you know like i'm just glad that um that the content has become more diverse because that was always like my goal i guess yeah and i feel like it's a constant kind of theme that um comes up when you cover like a really shit team like you have to just like come up with new ideas like obviously more so when like they were actually winning presence trophies and like Mm -hmm. trying to be successful the content was basically like okay what minor improvements could they do or like or look how good the sedines are but exactly now it's like okay this is ridiculous like so might as well like squeeze every bit of like just hilarity out of it like don't get it's almost past the point of like being mad at the management at management as well. Like it's just no, like you just almost, yeah, kind of you just kind of choose to laugh at it, right? Like you you you've accepted your lot in life, and now it's about trying to uh, find meaning in the face of uh, failure and utter pointlessness, which um, I think transitions pretty nicely into the guy that we're going to be talking about <laughs> today, actually. Okay. Well, that's that's a perfect segue, and um, let's get on the first segment though. It'll always transition. It'll, there's always a content theme in this pod, just like mm-hmm. ever flowing, just whatever nonsense. Um, so the first segment of the show, listening lately, Jackson. What are you listening to lately? Be it an album, single, an artist, even that you've just newly discovered. What are you listening to lately? Well. Um... I've actually been listening to not to uh, like spoiler alert or whatever, but uh, we will be talking yeah, about Jeff Rosenstock today, and yeah, and uh, I've actually been listening to a ton of. I've been basically mainlining uh, bomb old right. bomb the music industry records, which was uh, for the listeners. Uh, you probably know this, but uh, Jeff's last band, his like main musical project for the last. For, from probably about, like, 2005 to 2013-ish. Um, and uh, the one, the record, like, so I got into, I got into Jeff's solo stuff first. And then I went back through the Bomb the Music Industry uh, discography. And I really liked the early stuff and his, like, last record with them. But I didn't really, like, process any of the middle stuff. So the record I've really been going back to and listening to a lot recently, kind of with like fresh ears, is uh, Scrambles, which they put out in 2009. It's really, really excellent. Um, And then uh, I've also been kind of pouring back through the bands that are featured in the book Our Band Could Be Your Life, which... um, there's this great podcast called and introducing where they cover like uh books and long form articles about music whether it's like an artist or a scene or whatever and they've been doing a series on this book our band could be your life so i've been going back through like my old uh 
like Black Flag and the Minutemen and Husker Du, the replacements, yeah. that kind of stuff, the sort of like 80s alternative rock uh, scene. So um, that's mostly what I've been listening to lately. And uh, and then also, obviously, like the last few days since you invited me on the show, I've also been listening to a ton of the record right. we're yeah. about to talk yeah. about. Yeah, so. I feel like man, I haven't looked, I haven't heard of this book, the, um, but it looks, mm. yeah, it looks it's part, like all these bands. I'm so like, I was telling, so we had Kelly Hinkle of Broad Street Hockey on last episode, and we were talking mm-hmm. about kind of albums that like opened your ear and like kind of really like you discovered kind of in your adolescence and like brought you into more of like evolving and kind of started this like domino effect of getting into like heavier, heavier music or like more out there or more like just straying away from like whatever you kind of grew up with or like your parents listened to. Um, and black flags, uh, damage was that for me. I remember like, I literally bought that at a Best Buy, which is like hilarious that it was that yeah, that's really just like yeah. this weird juxtaposition of whatever but like um yeah and i literally i think i was 11 or something and just like put put that on oh and i was God. like this is blowing my mind so i have a i have a black flag tattoo because of that and that's cliche and corny and it's so corny oh yeah but it's absolutely. like I'm, i was like whatever it's like so many people have it but it's like this weird symbol of me of like this is what got me into like wanting to pursue music or wanting to do like just out there shit and just like kind of led me down this path. So do you have like something like that for you? Like, do you remember your first band kind of like that or album? Uh, man, that's actually funny because like, so I was a late, I was weirdly a kind of a late comer to punk rock. Um, I didn't really get into like stuff like, even even like just like the Ramones or the Clash or whatever, really until I was like seventeen or eighteen. Um I really liked like okay. pop punk as a young kid. But then my like I have a, like a slightly older than average dad who was also just really not interested in engaging with the dominant culture. He's like a oh, blues musician. And so I grew up with like kind of weird music around the house like not what a lot of kids grew up with and my dad hated punk so like i did not get exposed to that until i was a late teenager so other than like you know basically like the nhl soundtracks that would have like you know green day and gob and treble charger on them or whatever like i didn't really hear any punk until i was like a teenager and the band that actually in a really weird roundabout way, like got me interested in punk rock was the white stripes. Um, because like they were like a, they were like a bluesy band that also was kind of punky. And so I got into them because I liked like bluesier stuff through my dad. And then through them, I got into the stooges because like they the stooges were another like Detroit garage kind of band and then it was only really through the Stooges that I decided, like, oh, I should give this, like, punk rock stuff a try. And then uh, it was it was like, oh, what have I been doing, like, my entire life? Why why have I not just been listening to this since I was, like, born? Yeah, honestly, it's just, it's just perfect. It's, like, this just balance of kind of emotion and kind of something raw and i feel like you look at that as like you look for that as a teenager like you just want something that just like 
speaks to you or like you can just like feel through if not to get too like anthropological absolutely no i i I completely understand what you mean because like to me the thing that i've really realized about punk rock like at least in terms of what it really means to me it's not it's a very poorly defined musical genre like other than it's fast it's loose usually and it's kind of aggressive most of the time there's really not like a lot of firm musical aesthetic things you can point to and say like that's what punk is it's really more of an approach um to to music making that is very very like anti corporate i want to say like anti-capitalist although there is like a heavy heavy dose of like entrepreneurship mindset in a lot of punk communities as well um but it's just it's basically like this idea that if you don't like the dominant culture, you don't have to engage with it and you can make your own. And that's really the thing that I like the most about it more than any kind of like specific aesthetic. You know, like I um, I could honestly give a shit about a lot of the bands that people cite as like canonical uh, punk bands because of because they don't they didn't really embrace that. Like I'm not like a Sex right. Pistols guy or even like a minor threat guy because that always felt like too constricting it was like if you're really punk like you should be willing to move outside of a really really narrow idea of what a song's supposed to be you know like it's okay to have a song that's more than a minute long it's okay to have a song that's uh you know slower than 180 bpm <laughs> um it, as long as you like kind of mean it and are like ruthless about uh propagating your art and doing it outside of a corporate structure and i feel like that's what like a lot of the so-called like post-punk bands kind of did like fugazi and like absolutely mckay like the constant kind of presence of it yeah i'm way more of a fugazi guy than a minor threat guy yeah for that exact reason absolutely just blows my mind all the time yeah um yeah like even like bands in that book that you mentioned like sonic youth and stuff like more stuff like that mm-hmm. and like rights of spring in the 80s even earlier on like it's these bands that kind of took that mentality and took that like kind of aggressiveness but then like honed it and crafted it and be like okay we could like actually create a song that like can still entertain and still like display our emotion but then be more like creative and like express ourselves that way too not just like brat bad brain style like exploding at like in your face kind of thing. yeah exactly but yeah it's it's definitely interesting i feel like that's just a like the kind of natural evolution as you kind of want to listen to heavier and heavier stuff or express your stuff that yourself that yes way, right? yeah absolutely yeah and then you kind of i find like at least on my, in terms of like how I got into music and then got into different styles and then kind of moved back or whatever. Like for me, my sort of own musical development was very much like getting into stuff that was super accessible, then going way out there and getting into super weird stuff. And then kind of like trying to find stuff that was able to synthesize that. And, um, 
that is really why, like, in my adult life, which I really consider, I'm 27, I'll be 28 next month, and I really consider my adult life to have started maybe, like, four or five years ago, because I had a bit of an arrested development. Um, Jeff Rosenstock has really been the soundtrack to my adult life, and, you know, we'll get into why that is thematically, but from, like, an aesthetic perspective, I think it's because he is really a guy who so perfectly blends like the accessible kind of like you know green day shit that i loved when i was a little kid with the crazier stuff that i got into as a teenager and into young yeah life. and like especially with the message of like more adult themes and not being like adult themes of like oh these are like risque or whatever but like adult themes of like no what the fuck am i doing here kind of like absolutely yeah we'll talk about that more with the record and kind of his lyrical content especially on worry but like a constant theme that kind of get always gets brought up in these pods are like just this growth of your tastes and kind of like what you get into into adolescence because obviously like a lot of these albums that people want to bring up or whatever have kind of and maybe not with worry but like kelly was talking about like a pearl jam record and then like Mike was talking about La Dispute when it was in 2011 and he was kind of in his early 20s. So, like, just kind of as you're kind of discovering yourself, then, like, getting into and establishing what you kind of like. Like, did you find that there's, like, a moment where, like, this is kind of the fit that I'm into, that I'm, like, into? Or is it more of, like, that's what I prefer, but then I'm, like, free to spread into whatever? You know, it's funny. I actually think, so... There's like a there. I remember, um, I I don't. I'm not really a gamer, right? But I've listened to like a couple episodes of this gaming podcast uh, called No Cartridge, and one of the things that's come up on that show is the idea that like a real separation between like the type of like being a gamer and not being a gamer is like, did you buy a system right after you? graduated from college or whatever or like right when you moved out uh first moved out of uh, your parents house or whatever right and Mm -hmm. i think for with music it's like did you get into a new thing when you became an adult you know like when you moved out of the house did you like take a trip through music that was challenging to you because you wanted to understand it because like other people whose music you liked liked it and so you wanted to learn about it or whatever or are you just like a person who likes what they like and and that is what it is you know um and so for me like you know talking about black flag or whatever like the first time i listened to black flag i was like i don't know about this (laughs) this is pretty weird (laughs) you know but i like i knew that it was right and good and pure to like go through the nine minute uh like sludge songs on the second side of my war (laughs) to like to understand why people that i thought were cool like liked it or whatever you know and so for me uh it's kind of like i guess i i i really appreciate experimental music and like weirder music even though it's not necessarily my like home base but I will always, always, always prefer a song that is willing to go up on the curb a little bit and be totally wild and totally out there over something that is just like sort of cookie cutter, like pap for you to listen to at the mall or whatever. 
Right. It kind of, it just makes it interesting. Like, I feel like, I don't, maybe it's my, like, background as, so I went to do my undergraduate in jazz performance. So, like, I, it, maybe that's that background of, like, wanting to just explore and just, like, listen to thing, and that's what I did for homework. So, it's, like, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's just always kind of want to, like you said, like, challenge yourself of, like, what's this new thing of just, like, a new sonic experience. Like I've been recently getting into like, um, like listening to a lot more like Brian Eno and like ambient stuff and like, and just like all that kind of world of, um, just different. And just like, it's not the fast pace. It's not the like super emotional that I'm used to, but it's like, it kind of got, I kind of went that path too with like, listening to a lot more swans and then me like, okay, I want to, like, just drone out for a second and then be, like, obviously, they're big influence with that. A lot of it is Brian Eno and their yeah, Indian totally. movement. But, like, it's, yeah, it's just, like, it's just growing and kind of, like, experiencing as much as you can. I feel like that's, like, the thing to do. And I won't, like, judge anyone that wants to stay with, like, their same couple records that they listened to in high school and just keep on, like, cranking those out. But... Yeah, it's just for me and I'm sure for you, what you said personally, it's just like the experience of discovering something and listening to something new and something that you haven't heard of or a unique musical like feature that you haven't heard of is kind of a the like appeal of it. Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing is, is that like everyone has music that they return to over and over and over again. That's oh, normal yeah. and it's healthy and it's like there's also so so much music is like not meant to just be consumed once like i know with the record we're going to talk about i am like over the course of you know listening to it again for the purposes of this episode i really heard stuff that i'd never heard before so it's totally obviously totally normal to do that but i also just think it's good to like once in a while step outside your comfort zone or just like check something out because you've heard it's good just to like see what it's about and you can get a lot out of you can get a lot out of music that you don't particularly like uh, which it sounds crazy but it's like the act of listening to something over and over and over again makes you have to find something to appreciate about it and i think that that's like a good part of you know your like personal growth as a as a person who's gonna uh, consume art and like participate in artistic culture you know yeah that's that's perfect i couldn't i don't even have anything else to add that's just like kind of sums it up right um awesome well jackson let's move on to what the main thing that you're going to talk about and your essay <laughs> on this album uh jackson could you tell the lovely audience although we've already spoiled yes. it um, what album are you going to be talking about? Uh, I'm going to be talking about Worry by Jeff Rosenstock, uh, which was released in uh, October 2016 on Side One Dummy. Um, it is not actually my favorite Jeff Rosenstock album, or, or including like uh, particularly if you include Bomb the Music Industry stuff, but I felt like it was the best one to use as a jumping off point to kind of talk about all the different things about Jeff's music that I like so much, uh, because it's sort of like, I guess his, his grandest achievement, you might say in terms of like synthesizing sort of like 
accessible, uh, more radio friendly stuff. Although like he's not a radio friendly artist with his more kind of like experimental earlier stuff. Uh, so, uh, I'm really excited to talk about it. Do you remember like kind of a first listen that you had? Like, was that a first Jeff Rosenstock album you listened to or was it something else? So the first Jeff Rosenstock album I ever heard was his previous one. We cool. Um, a friend of oh, mine yeah. put it on at his place while I was over for dinner, and uh, I, I got really stoked on it. He was he had been telling me about it. He's like one of my friends that I get music recommendations from, and he had been telling me about this guy for a while, and he sent me nausea over like YouTube or whatever and was like, listen to this, and I was like, I think I've, I've said before, like if there was any song I could go back and hear for the first time again, I would pick that one. Because it was just so, it was like such a light bulb moment of like, oh man, I know this feeling so hard. And also this song fucking slaps so hard. And like, why have I been, you know, why have I been acting like I don't love fucking like Gob and Green Day and pop punk for this entire (laughs) time? Like this shit rocks. And then, um, you know, I got into that record a little bit and then kind of, you know, was off doing my own thing with my own tastes or whatever and then i was in the car with him one day and he was like you really got to listen to the new jeff like it's so good um and he played me a couple of tracks off of it and i was like oh yeah this is really good and then i went home and listened to it and it just really quickly like got added into my rotation as like an album i listen to on every long drive and like a go-to album when I'm at work alone and I'm trying to get through the day and I just need to put something on or whatever. So um, it was always an album that I would kind of listen to on the go. And that's why it was so much fun to do the listening to prepare for this because it was really like the first time I actually sat down with headphones in and like did a deep listen and like looked at the lyrics and stuff. And I'm really seeing it in a whole new light now. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's definitely kind of just a different approach to albums too. Like, there's always those albums that you love, and for me personally, like sometimes I'm terrible with lyrics or terrible with like listening me too, yeah. to words. So it's like I've listened to albums like dozens, dozens of times. And it's like I don't know what they're saying. Like I I couldn't sing along to it, but it's just like I know the cues, or absolutely, whatever, like the different feelings of and it. Right. So the other like, weird thing about that that I've le- that I've like learned as a person who, like because I am a musician and I've played, I've played music in some capacity since I was like a little kid and I have ADHD, which is another thing that I'll come up talking about Jeff. Um, and the thing that I like only kind of just realized recently is that for a lot of people, lyrics are like the primary way that they engage mm-hmm. with music because like, that's the part that they can understand because like, they're not necessarily musically minded or musically inclined, but anyone can understand like words being sung to them. And so, yeah, it's always really interesting for us people who like are music first, because that's not, I wouldn't say it's like even necessarily the, the most common way to like interpret music. Right. And that's probably like, it speaks a lot to our backgrounds of kind of in prior experiences of it and kind of like what we listen to or, if we need to like learn a song or if we're wanting to like emulate something, then we'll more fo- more so focus on what that kind of song is in total. And I feel like it's just, you get more out of, not more out of it. Like it's not speaking down on like people that are just all lyrics. Yeah, no, not at whatever, all. Whatever, but like, but it's also just like you get 
a grander sense of like kind of the music as a whole with like understanding the textures of it and kind of the hills and valleys of everything and um kind of what the artist really built and like really created um purposefully and kind of um i guess manicured like out of whatever they um meant to do almost like you kind yeah. of coming come at it from absolutely and this actually touches on a really interesting thing that i have had been thinking about a lot leading up to coming on the show which is the way that like i don't know if there's anything people talk about in more like virulently anti-worker terms than music because like the way and I once again like I'm not um, saying that there's anything wrong with however people want to choose to engage with something that's up to you and no one can say it's wrong but like our um, our like entire musical culture now is built around people for whom like music is a background thing in their lives streaming uh, like like right. you could you could pretty much a lot of new currents in popular music. Like, I'm sorry, this is kind of like old man yells at cloud kind of stuff or whatever, <laughs> but it's true. A lot of the currents are really focused on like just indicating where you are. Like it's like hit a playlist that says dentist's office and hit a playlist that says dive bar, hit a playlist that says like, you know, cousin's funeral or whatever. House. Yeah. Like yeah. coffee house. <laughs> like, and just, it's, it's just like, I, you know, it's very geared towards people who want to consume it passively. And there's nothing like wrong with that. But at the same time, I don't think there's anything wrong with an artist stepping out and saying, like, I think my music is meant to be listened to in an album format. And that's OK that like and it's OK for me to say, like, this is the music I want to make and that is satisfying to me. And, you know, you can like it or not. But like it's not actually my job to make something that's for everyone. And that's kind of like a thing that really bothers me about popular culture right now is that everything is trying to be for everyone. And as a result, it just makes me feel totally alienated from art because it's like, I don't want something that's for everyone. I have weird esoteric interests and like things that I like and things that I care about. And, it's just like I'm not asking for ev like everything in um, popular culture to be catered towards my taste, but like it would be nice if there was something. And increasingly, it's just harder and harder to find anything that's like willing to step outside the bounds of what a given thing is supposed to be. And the thing that I love so much about Jeff is that like that's all he does. Uh, he when you know he made this record and explicitly said that you know he was signing with a bigger label he was going to have a wider audience and so he wanted to make a record that was explicitly political um and like that's not a thing that people do anymore you know like what you think about the problems that most people have to deal with they're the problems that this record deals with which is like you know being afraid that you're going to get priced out of your neighborhood or like dealing with your shitty landlord or your shitty boss. And there's just like no art about this stuff anymore. All art is just made by like upper middle class or better, like liberal arts educated, college educated people who and all of all art is just about like struggles to self-actualize struggles to 
like struggles with hurt feelings or like struggles to be mm-hmm. like taken seriously or whatever as a like this or that. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with any of that. But like at the end of the day, there are a lot of people for whom like self-actualization is not even a thing that they get to worry about. They're worried about like paying their rent. And there's no art about that anymore because the people who make art for everyone now are totally alienated from those problems. So the reason why I love this record so much and the reason why I love Jeff so much is because he was really willing to like step outside the bounds and go like, I'm going to make stuff that is weird and uncomfortable and deals with like the shit that we all feel every day. And I'm not going to like gaslight you into thinking that like everything's just nice, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Like and the general problem of like stuff that is so much like, so meant for the masses kind of ideal of kind of, I like creating this song or producing a song to like, get on Spotify's hot new summer Mm -hmm. playlist or whatever, like kind of that idea of creativity and art is just like, it's so common. I feel like, and like I, but then also at the same point of like stuff being so accessible, like can lead you down with a little bit more effort, maybe um, into stuff that you know that you'll like. And like, there's always something for you or your taste. Yeah. And, and that's the thing about like that's the thing about this particular like kind of pop punk resurgence that I feel like we're sort of seeing with like it kind of started in like the early 2010s with like Japan droids and like waves right. and like bands like that and like cloud nothings or whatever and then like mm-hmm. with pop getting bigger and then like Rosenstock kind of finding like a larger audience like the thing that I like about this stuff is that it's also particularly in Jeff's case like very anti-snob so like while I'm standing here being like I don't like the dominant culture I like I hate poptimism right I don't know if you are you familiar with that term like okay so like poptimism was a thing that came up like very much in like the mid aughts or mid to late aughts as like a um a response to like pitchfork and like hipsters and stuff and basically being like there's nothing wrong with liking pop music and there's nothing wrong with liking like stuff that's um that's for like mass consumption or whatever and i think at the time it was tapping into a real like problem that music scenes had with gatekeeping and stuff but the problem is that that viewpoint has overtaken everything now to the point where it's like yeah actually like why would you want to eat anything other than mcdonald's you know what I mean? Like, and it's like, right, yeah, dude, yeah. I fucking love McDonald's when I'm high and it's two in the morning and I just need food in my body. Nothing is better than a McDouble. I totally get that. I am not going to shame you for that. But at the same time, you don't like, you don't walk up to a master chef and say like, don't you really just want to make like Big Macs? Isn't that really what the hi- what the height <laughs> of this medium is? Yeah. You know, and so like, if we want to take the food metaphor... Uh, like further, you know, um, Jeff is almost like an Anthony Bourdain type guy where it's like he's yeah. going to decry the state of like, you know, the way the media like interacts with his art form. And he's going to like, you know, thumb his nose at at um, the sort of corporate overlords and the dominant culture or whatever. But if if 
like the second people start being dicks to that old lady who reviewed the Olive Garden uh, in her hometown, it's like, hey, how dare you be a snob? I love Waffle House. You know what I mean? And it's like, I feel like that's a really good way to be and a really good attitude to have because it's like, if you want things to be different, if you want the world to be a better place, if you want um, like your art, your culture to be more interesting and, you know, then ultimately like you, you want a lot of people to be interested in it and you don't get that unless you're like willing to not be a gatekeeping prick about it. So, um, you know, I feel like Jeff, the great thing about him as a, as a musician is that he's not just like, he's not just a good artist. He's not just a good lyricist. He's also like a pretty good role model, I think, for like people who want to make art and like how to do it in a way that's, um, that's like a very accessible and very like open and non-judgmental, but also like ruthlessly anti-capitalist and I mean, that shit is my absolute fucking deal. And that's why I love this record so much, because all of that is present in it. Yeah, exactly. It's a constant theme, and it kind of has been throughout his whole career, like, on the music industry. Like, obviously, there's, like, tones of that throughout, and obviously, like, just ska music as a whole, and just, like, kind of the being against capitalism and all the kind of dredges that it comes with. Um it's just like this constant, I guess, just presence that has been through Jeff's career and just um, especially that he, even with his solo records and stuff and um, as recent as Post and everything mm-hmm. and even his latest record. Um, but yeah, like it's just, I guess just more so like less on the themes even, but like more so on just like Jeff, his actual like product as a whole. I hate using product as a <laughs> word. Well, it's funny, uh, it's funny you say product because, like, you know, I, I warned you ahead of time we were going to go long on this one. And, like, yeah. he has a song from uh, one of his early Bomb the Music Industry records, Goodbye Cool World, that's called Side Projects Are Never Successful. And I could literally mm-hmm. do an entire episode just on that song because, like, that right. is a song about how no matter what you do under capitalism like everything you make becomes a product in the act of making it and um so he understands that but he's not happy about it and i like that that's a good way to be have one you have one fit foot in the world as it is and one fit in the world as you would like it to be yeah and that's almost like how he approaches music too just in general of like that kind of thing that you're talking about of like i understand the reality of what I have to do and like what I have to create, um, not have to, but like what I kind of want to create, but then not like kind of turn my back on a lot of people or turn my back on like the masses or whatever, but just like, like you said, approachable, but also it's like his literal voice is like a very eclectic, like Mm -hmm. taste of it. Like that can be a turning off point for some people. Yeah. Like, like there's so many bands like that, like, um, like off the top of my head, like Nye Harvest sure. is a band like that. Uh, Girls, um, just like bands that instantly like can be like, if I don't like this voice, then like it might get you a twinge or you kind of have to get used to it. Like, do you see Jeff wrote like as kind of like, yeah, that? I mean, he's definitely not like ultimately like he's just the number one thing that 
you say about Jeff to somebody who like isn't um, super initiated is like he's not a great singer. He's a weirdly yeah. like <laughs> dexterous singer. Um, he mm-hmm. can spit a ton of syllables really quickly and he actually has quite a wide vocal range but it's it's almost like um you know it's like when you first let a dog uh out of your car at the park like that's what he sounds like all the time it's just that immediately like you know like like just a dog running directly out of your car and just immediately barking like that's kind of his like style um, but like to, to get back to, to what you were just saying there earlier about like him being approachable, um, but still like kind of saying like, I don't like this and I don't have to like it. And it's not a judgment for me to, of you, for me to say that I don't like it, but like maybe think about how you interact with the world and how you interact with like products and stuff, because it, you're doing it, whether you, <laughs> whether you know you're doing it or want to do it. Uh, in the first place. And so there was actually, I was reading an interview with him um, earlier today. And I think like there's a quote from it that really illustrates this concept perfectly. If you don't mind me reading it. Um, Yeah, of course. I'm not trying to call anybody a sellout. Everybody has to do their own thing and what they feel is right for them. I feel, I just feel like people at this point don't think they can do it another way anymore. It's just so accepted. It's like, oh yeah, we got to do this thing this way. There's going to be corporate sponsors on this thing. The more you accept that, the more corporations will just continue to seep in more and more. And then it feels even less like you could get away without it. At the, all the time, people say there is never going to be Fugazi. It's like, fuck you. Fuck that. Why not? Why can't that happen? It could happen now more than it ever could happen before because you can just record stuff on your own and put it out for free. It's this mentality that that's what you need and that you can't really get away from it, so you might as well just suck it up and deal with it. I'm just like, fuck that. You don't have to deal with it. Do something on your own and do something that you like. If you don't want to be involved in that, don't be involved in that. And I just love that. Like the one thing I've been trying to like get out to people more, particularly through like Roxy fever specifically in like the realm of hockey media, which is like the most like suffocatingly stale Mm. um, thing, maybe in like the world is that like, if you don't like the way you're supposed to do something, don't do it that way. Just make shit that you like and see if other people like it and like try to find like-minded people because like the world is very alienating and lonely for people who think different. And, um, you know, I don't want to do this whole like teenage angst thing or whatever, but like a thing that I really realized, um, kind of, you know, like later into my life through just doing regular self-reflection stuff, being isolated over COVID. And then also also like really through listening to Jeff's music, like, I've, I realized that, you know, like I have ADHD. I was undiagnosed until I was 25 or 26. And like for a long time, the whole world was trying to tell me that the reason I was struggling so much is just because I wasn't trying hard enough or just because like there was something wrong with me or like I was bad or whatever. When really like the world just isn't set up for people whose brains work like mine. And like, that's okay. But if you don't have anyone out there who's willing to like put it out on the line and tell you you're not crazy for feeling alienated or not crazy for feeling like, you know, shit is boring and suffocating. Um, it's very cathartic and it can really like break through loneliness. And I think that that's something that like everybody's really dealing with right now. And 
we're all just like stuck inside consuming media and the media we consume is so alienating because like it generally doesn't like channel the real problems that people have in their day-to-day lives it's all like so cosmic and so like big and it's like for a lot of people their problems are very granular um the thing that really like sticks out to me about this record is how much gentrification comes up over and over again it's a theme that like returns from song to song like so many songs that sound at first glance like they're like a breakup song or a love song are actually about housing insecurity about like worrying about losing your apartment because you're gonna get priced out of your neighborhood because like rich people are fucking buying up like all the property and turning it into condos or whatever and like as a musician being able to be tied to a space is so important because you need to be allowed to be loud somewhere and be allowed to like express yourself and make music and like if you can't do that then you can't like live and so um for me you know like this album was such a like shining light in the darkness because i was listening to it like as i was experiencing housing insecurity and it's just like this isn't you never get to hear this kind of stuff out of the mouth of somebody who deals with it it's always like some rich person telling other rich people they should feel bad that it's happening instead of somebody being out there being like this is what it like what it's like and it fucking blows man yeah it's like it's that same kind of deal with we were talking about earlier where it's like the very like specific problems and like i mentioned it with mike when talking about wildlife like la disputes record just like it's very like they more told it through like stories mm-hmm. of just like this kid like gang violence so like it was a story about a kid getting shot like and killed in like the crossfire at like a, a downtown like grand rapids park or whatever that i think was a true story but just like really specific problems that like maybe i haven't experienced this like directly mm-hmm but I see it around and I see it as a problem kind of thing. Like I, maybe I'm not like a victim of gentrification, but I know that it's an issue where I live or the street, like the blocks over from me or like where my family lives or something. Like it's these problems that like, and like you were saying with like the stuff that wants to be so widely accessible and just like, let me create like these problems, like, let me write some lyrics that are like, oh, my like boyfriend broke up exactly. with me or whatever. Like, yeah. Oh, it's so like this like, oh, grandiose like umbrella like problem that like, oh, the world can like just put that on a pin and just like relate to it or whatever. But it's more these specific issues that are like, no, this is what's happening. This is like very real and like a problem so let me talk about it and we'll talk about it exactly yeah and um you know like it's such a it it just it blends so nicely with the with the like very recognizable like pop um musical structures and the insane musical flexing that's going on everywhere because like there's so much stuff on this record that is like way more sophisticated than it needs to be like particularly john d dominici's uh 
bass playing is just like so fucking like mm-hmm. tight and uh, and like noodly. Like there's so much noodling on this record. And the thing that I that I that I really like a, a, about that is that it's like it's presenting this radical message um, to people in a way that like I would have been able to recognize as like a 12 year old who really loved like Dookie, you know, to just be able to like hear this record and be like, Oh yeah, that's, that's like pop punk. That's like Billy Joe or whatever. And then the, all the lyrical content is like, you're not crazy for feeling alienated by having to like work yourself until you die. You're not crazy for feeling alienated because like you can't express yourself because there's nowhere you can go and be loud and, or like people like look down on you for having a good time with your friends because it's like, you know, not seen as like being properly adult. Like this is all stuff that, that is intensely relatable to me. And yet like just feels like it isn't really being reflected in culture right now. And so like, I really, really respect his willingness to, go against the the grain um even when like it was a risky proposition you know yeah and like i feel like code especially has kind of affected this and i don't know if it's just me like paying more attention mm-hmm. general in general but like i feel like there's been a lot more desire for like worldwide events or like kind of this like i don't know like megan markle yes. and yeah. Prince Harry talking to Oprah and then be like, everyone's watching it. Like you have to pay attention kind of thing. Absolutely. Like, this kind of, this desire for like an event that like, oh, I remember when I watched that or I did this or like whatever, like the Grammys when yes. it was on, like, I feel like people were just paying attention to that no matter what. Like, I don't know if it's us being stuck inside and having nothing else to do That's- or this kind of longing for that connection definitely plays know. a role, but it was also happening way before COVID. Like we were all already like this. And I think that's what so many people are realizing is mm. they're, they're just like, Holy shit. I spent so much time being isolated and now like I can't go out and see people. And I'm realizing like how much not being able to go out and see people is like an unhealthy experience and that I shouldn't have been doing it to myself willingly for so long you know and but like the thing that you're talking about i think that like i really especially learned being uh in media is how much shit is just meant to be engaged with so the purpose of it isn't right. to entertain you it's not to educate you it's not even for you to like like it in any meaningful way it's just for you to react to it in some way so so much of of like media now is like the point of it is just to get memed or just to like have people pay attention to it and talk about it so that you get like hits or you get views or you get eyeballs. But like, it doesn't really matter what anyone thinks of it. Like um, there are, I'm trying to think of um, a, a good example, but it's like, you know, these DC movies that like, like, like wonder woman 84 or whatever that like virtually everyone agreed was, was a trash movie, but like for three days, there's all these memes about like how stupid Kristen Wiig looks or whatever. And it's like, because the point of it was just for people to see it and for it to be like ambiently out there in the culture for people to react to the, the fact that it was like trash and that they knew that it was trash and was almost like beside the point. It's like, well, if people go, like if someone goes and sees something ironically to laugh at it and talk about how much it sucks, they still basically like supported it by giving it engagement mm-hmm. or get, or, uh, or like, you know, 
I mean, it used to be paying to see it, but now like even just putting your eyeballs in so- on something is like weirdly an endorsement because of the way these companies, these like online media companies are incentivized to like just prioritize like eyeballs on ads. And, you know, like to get to, you know, circle back to like what I was talking about with the podcast that we do, which is in like a totally different medium, you know, talking about like a hockey team or whatever, but is that like, I want to, I want people to make stuff that like the point of it is for people to like it, not just, you know, make some people like signal to some people that like, I'm one of the good ones and then signal to other people, like be mad at me and just have the point be that like people are talking about it. I want to transcend that a little bit and try to like, just make stuff for the sake of making it and for like finding like-minded people and like building a community because like we're all such atomized, uh, you know, media consumers. And that's like, you know, that's, at the risk of being a fucking like fist in the air, you know, like uh dreamer or whatever, like that is what the people who run the world want you to be is just an atomized consumer who never talks to anyone and is totally lonely and isolated. And like, that's what uh, to be a ghost is about on, uh, on this, um, uh, on this record. And, and like, that's, that's Jeff in a nutshell. Like one of the things I love about him so much is that he's able to take a song and in within the span of a few verses, talk about like how it's affecting you on the ground, on a granular level, how you feel. And then also like what materially is creating that and what the purpose of it is. So it's not just about like police brutality is bad and like, we should talk about it. It's like, this is awful for the people who are living through it. And then it's also awful for you as just like an alienated person to just be constantly surrounded by like, you know, the possibility that like somebody in your neighborhood is going to get shot for no good reason or whatever. Um, it, it, it's just very, very freeing and very illuminating to consume art that is both like, willing to tackle really broad like important themes in a sophisticated way but then also like do it in a manner that people can connect their own life to and relate to yeah definitely like it's just that whole idea of supporting what you believe in and again not to be like so idealistic or like let's gather the community and support this but it's like it's other media companies like that we've seen recently kind of pop up with like defector and means tv and stuff Mm -hmm. more like that there's an ideal behind it and there's a a message and there's like a clear kind of support group but it's also like it's just content that we wanted to create and like get behind and just like the primary purpose of it isn't to make money it's to make stuff yes and and that's what's so like what can be so alienating for people who are oriented that way is that like, you know, we don't have ads on our podcast and we, we always joke about this because it's like, well, who knows if anyone would want to sponsor us anyways. Right. But it's very much a situation of like, okay, fine. They don't want us and we don't want them because ultimately if I wanted to sell dick pills, I would be a dick pill salesman. 
Like, <laughs> you know, if I want to work for Blue Chew, I'll go like apply at Blue Chew. I, I got into podcasting because like there was stuff I wanted to talk about and nothing takes me out of it more than just being reminded like, hey, all of this, um, all the stuff you're listening to right now is uh, you're only listening to it because of the consent of your corporate overlords, you know? Yeah, and, like, I feel like that just is a general, like, personal, like, I don't, okay, this is going to sound terrible, but I don't listen to, like, a lot of big podcasts, yeah, sure. like, the really overproduced, like, polished, like, very, like, the ones that you see or whatever. That like Joe Rogan to, or whatever. Just, like, As an example. Yeah, exactly. And, and once like, again, too, like, no yeah. judgment to anybody who listens to whatever, but, like, Oh, yeah. yeah. But I feel like it's just more, like, I have that different connection of just, like, this was more created for something exactly that I'm into, or this was created by someone that I want to support or just like, I just want to listen to this idea or whatever. Like, it's just more so of the, like the concept of consuming something with more purpose behind it than being again, like you said, like just collectively a sponge of like of just people that can take advantage of your eyes or your attention and just like without any idea of this is kind of someone's creation someone that wants to do that and without kind of other incentives behind it yeah Um, absolutely and so you know like on a on a personal level because like i feel like i've talked a lot about um the i've talked a lot about it as like an album aesthetically or musically or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot about, you know, the lyrics and the politics of it or whatever, but like on a personal level, in terms of my life, this record actually came out at like the craziest point in my life for me to discover it because like in the sort of like four, 13, 14th month, 14 month span that this record came out and, um, I like discovered it and it became part of my rotation. I quit my job of five years, got a new job, went to college, my house burned down and I got and I went to a new or, and I moved into a new house and uh, graduated college. So like Jesus. just an ins- so much shit happening all at once. And of course, like parenthetically too, like this is also the year Trump gets elected and I'm doing all of this with unmedicated, undiagnosed ADHD. Right. Um and so, like, to to really, like, have somebody um, be making music about how, like, you're not crazy for being alienated or for, or for being, like, this sucks and why do I have to do this? And, like, why can't I just, like, I'm, I'm not asking for much. All I want is to just, like, be a part of a community and, like, help people and be a nice guy and make some art and just like chill and vibe. And instead, like I have to spend every minute of my day monetizing everything and making sure I'm like perfectly efficient and, and, uh, and like, you know, just optimizing every single thing I do for the benefit of usually like not me, usually like my boss or my teacher or Mm -hmm. whoever. And you know, it's not like everybody, um, it's not like you you should just be like this perfect individual or whatever. Who's like only ever concerned with their own uh, pleasure or edification or whatever. But like, uh, 
it is like through collective struggle will we can build a better world not just for um like everybody for society but also for like you on a personal level so that you will like feel better and feel less sad and less alienated and like that's a really good way to like be introduced to radical radical politics is to just have somebody be like aren't yeah it's it's sad isn't it it's shitty isn't it and like to to have my house burn down and then move into like a temporary housing with the most insane landlord I'd ever had in my entire life and hear a song like hellhole and just be like fuck yeah. somebody gets it like there's somebody out there who actually understands that that the problems that people are dealing with are like basic survival sometimes like the basic worry of like to have a song like that's that's one of the the ones that really sticks in my in my head because it's so explicit, but like to have a song that's about like, doesn't it suck to live in a house with leaky, with a leaky roof and rats. And instead of thinking about how much you deserve a better house where this doesn't happen and how ridiculous it is that anyone has to live like this, you're actually just worried about, Oh no, what if I lose this house and I have to be out on the street? Like it was just so, like it's such a life-saving thing especially as somebody with adhd too who just like had all these reasons to feel to have like low self-esteem and um to be you know alienated or whatever to just have somebody reach out and be like you're not crazy this stuff does suck and also here's like a really sophisticated like look at why specifically it sucks was just a total watershed moment for me in my life you know yeah i feel like that's kind of the purpose of a lot of art really like that's more in and i didn't we talked about this earlier of like relating on a different level but it's like that really specific kind of message or um just narrative or story that is innocently relatable and able to really speak to the consumer and again consumer product all that shit words but just like the general like appreciator of it like it's just the difference behind kind of the creating art for yourself and just like i want to sing about these problems then like i want to create something that is relatable it's like uh it's like a side effect mm -hmm. really yeah and and like another thing that uh that makes his stuff so relatable to me at least and probably to other people too is like he writes a lot about mental illness but he writes a, a, about it in a way that's like not romanticizing it which is a thing that really mm. really fucking irks me about a lot of music is the way like being depressed or being like uh anxious is almost sort of like romanticized and has been for a long time like uh, this is an incredibly hot take uh, that has made a lot of people very mad at me in the past, but like, I don't like Radiohead and I'm not like, okay. I, oh, yeah. once again, I want to make this clear. Like people can like whatever they like. It's like saying, I don't like Apple pie. Yeah. Like my taste buds don't get a nice feeling when I'm, when I'm, you know, pouring myself a big glass of Radiohead. Like it's not your fault. If you like Radiohead, that's fine. But it's just like, for me, it's like sad music 
that sounds really sad that's about being sad and it's just like a it, it just like what it feels like to me is like you know it's just like a techno uh or not like it necessarily a techno beat but like if you're if it's like kid a or something it's like you know like this electron this like kind of cool like ambiently electronic um ambient like electronic music like experimental uh, kind of like post-punky thing or whatever that like can be interesting but then it's just like a sad guy like moaning over it and i'm just like fuck this is a bummer like i get that shit sucks yeah. but like i want i want people to be like shit sucks and let's do something about it or like shit sucks so like make your life better like try to be try to get through it like we know that it sucks but like it feels better to push and like try to like make li- your life worth something than stuff that is just like doesn't everything suck and isn't it so relatable how much this sucks and like something that has like a grant like a thrust to it you know what i mean and um and so like to you know i don't want to i'm not i'm not going to go through like every track or or whatever and um and uh like just read the lyrics or whatever but like as a per- as a person with ADHD there was um so much stuff in here that like really really i related to um, as like uh, a neuroatypical person interacting with like business and like you know I'm sorry but like capitalism that's just I mean what the mm-hmm. fuck like am I supposed to it, it, I'm not I really like try hard not to be a dick and like if you're not a socialist like that's not a judgment of you I'm not like I'm not a person who can't be friends with people who like have different politics from me or whatever but like I am a socialist that's my deal you can like it or not like it like that's fine and part of the reason I am is because of my like disability that I lived with for such a long time and didn't know about. And so to to read like lines like in Blast Damage Days when he says, whenever days slip away and every moment with me feels like I'm floating in space because I want to believe these are my halcyon days, but I'm afraid of my age and I don't know anyone's name because I can't concentrate. Oh, I am never letting go of you. Um, that feeling of like, you know, being like judged for just trying to do things that give your life meaning and that you enjoy and not being able to remember stuff and like just feeling like am I is there something wrong with my brain am I like sick or or like wrong or am I just like responding to an alien a world that is alienating to me and my mental health issues are like actually just from like being sad because people don't understand me or whatever you know and then to to transition from something like that into a song like planet luxury which is like um a very angry song um Mm -hmm. that that just like that is like you will blink and you'll miss it you know like the and it's his delivery is so rapid fire it's so fast it's so aggressive that you could miss the like basically fucking like manifesto that he lays out here in a handful of lines like you know again like i know this is incredibly nerd shit to just like recite these lyrics but the ones in power built a dream on guarantees of luxury and sold it like it's magic to the poor they trick you into thinking all it takes is just a little bit of bit of effort once your foot is in the door they brutalize your confidence and drain you of your energy until you're always tired and unsure they make a lot of promises but keep on taking everything so you always want more like fuck me man if that has not been my entire life just wondering like 
why I'm working so hard just to afford like a fucking shitty like you know basement apartment or whatever um in a world that was not built for me like you know i know i think a lot of the time politically we overstate the importance of culture but like it is really nice if nothing else to just have the catharsis of someone telling you that like you're not weird for not liking the way that things are and that if anything you're actually like probably responding to uh your life in like the most rational way a person could yeah it's just that like whole section of the record too where it's like the last half where nothing's over two minutes and it's just like this kind of cycling of styles and cycling of messages too like it's just I feel like it's so effective that way too. Like, like you're saying, like Planet Luxury just comes out of nowhere with this like hard, hardcore punk style. Yeah, and then the next song is a ska um, song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just like and super catchy, and like it's literally throughout this whole recording, I've been singing the chorus of Hell in my head for yeah, the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. And like to to do like you know getting back to the the like music like the musicality of it or whatever or like it it as a the the aesthetic of it or whatever like or the style of it, like, for him to do the Abbey Road thing, right, where, like, every song yeah. is really short and, like, segues into one another or whatever, like, if you don't pull that off perfectly, it will come across as so hokey. And so, like, oh, what, this motherfucker <laughs> thinks he's Paul McCartney? Like, good for you, right? And I And he just, he pulls it off flawlessly. And then I read in an interview that, like he didn't listen to the Beatles as a kid. So like somebody told him like, Oh yeah, you have all these short songs. Like, why don't you just Abby wrote it? And he was like, Oh yeah, I, I guess I'll like do what I think that is. Cause I've never really like listened to that very much before. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that's, uh, that's amazing for like a guy to basically like do a thing that has been ripped off so many times. Do it like, close to the best it's ever been done in my opinion and then also like not even really have an awareness about like where that whole idea came from or like what most people's uh cultural reference point for it is going to be is just like such a flex it's unbelievable yeah and just perfectly fits too like it's just kind of the versatility of him musically and even just like beyond the lyrics or anything just like showing what he can do and showing the range of styles and what he's had experience in it. So like just refreshing to see all that on one record instead of like making, Oh, this is my heavier record. And then making like 12 other songs that sound like planet luxury or whatever, like, or this is my back to my ska phase. And then a bunch of like pop ska, like other similar tracks come on another album. Just like this kind of approach of I'm going to, again, like what we were talking about the whole time, like, I'm going to just create it because I like it and I want it that way. And like, this is how I feel yeah. it should be. Um, and just like, it's from his point of view and not necessarily like you could sell more records if you like brand this as like, Oh, this is more of this yeah. style and then this exactly. next record. Like, so it's just like the kind of idea well, of again, like I, as somebody yeah. with ADHD, you know, I don't know if Jeff has ADHD. It would make perfect sense to me if he did. Like there's so much 
stuff in his lyrics that sounds so like exactly like ADHD symptoms. But like uh, even setting that aside, like whether he does or not, um, his music is very ADHD friendly because he generally is like once he gets bored with an idea, that's it. Uh, forget about it. New thing. And like that's so awesome as a person who gets bored easily because it's like, you know, uh, if you don't like, you know, even even like I listen to this record with my fiance, who's like not a punk rocker. Right. And she but she really likes Jeff. And I think one thing that like makes it easy on her is that like, you know, she doesn't like Planet Luxury. Like that's way too heavy for her. But if you don't like it, it's 45 seconds, <laughs> you know, and, nice. and now we're on to uh, to the happy, you know, melodic ska song or whatever. And you like that. Yeah. And like I I really think it's honestly a, a, a it's just. It's I think it's such a great way to approach like music. Like why not just cram every idea into as short of a space as possible because like you know people are so diverse. People like so many different things and like instead of trying to be all things to all people at all times, be one thing to one person for 45 seconds and it'll mean a lot to them, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. It just perfectly fits. Um is there anything else that you want to talk about the record? Not nope. to be like too like um, meta or whatever. That's that's but... fair. I think I think honestly at this point <laughs> that's basically everything I have to say. Um, okay. On I guess a closing note, you know, um, he he sort of he ends the record on this note of like it's it's where it, where the record gets its title from, where he says love is worry. Um, and then goes oh, into, yeah. uh, you know, the last song on the ref record, perfect sound, whatever, where, which, and those two songs are really interesting. Like, um, um, or though that, that last song is really interesting because rather because, um, it's, uh, it's so simple after all this, like, re like all of the, these really dense lyrics, it's just a song that's like perfect takes so long because it doesn't exist and just you know it doesn't exist over and over again and the it's kind of ending on this note of like you know life is hard and like things are never going to be perfect but like you have to try you have to like you, you can't just opt out of life you have to find meaning in the struggle of life because like otherwise how are things going to get better how are we how are like if you feel alienated from society like that's good and that's normal and I don't judge you for that. And like sometimes you need to just tune out and be sad and be alienated, but you can't just press off on your life. You have to go out. You have to engage with the world. You have to engage with other people because like otherwise everybody's just going to have to go through the same horrible shit that you went through. And um, I just like, like I said, like, um, this record is just for anybody who's interested in getting into Jeff Rosenstock. It's such a great jumping off point for a really, really rewarding uh, body of work that to listen to that he has. And then also just a guy who I think has absolutely the right philosophy about how to approach being a creative person and making something that, you know, making something out of nothing like, ultimately at the end of the day if you're a creative person even just the act of creating something is noble enough even if nobody likes it like ultimately you write a song and somebody else hears it you just put a thought in somebody's head that didn't exist before that's basically magic like 
who fucking cares if everybody likes it or not you did it and that's what matters and um you know going back through and listening to this as a person who is now um you know like medicated and realized that i had a lot of struggles in my life that weren't my fault um it's just it really made me realize like how much time i wasted trying to fit into a box that i was never going to fit into and that like i should have been um i should have been more aware of the fact that like the fact that i'm in bands and the fact that like i do a podcast that like a bunch of weirdos online listen to is cool in and of itself regardless of like whether it's the fucking biggest uh canucks podcast in the world or whatever yeah like i said at the top it's the cream of the crop (laughs) well thank you i'm really glad you think so i i've i've it means (laughs) and you know to cap it all off really like i think that is ultimately Hmm. like it means so much more to me to hear from you face to face that you like the podcast than it ever meant to see that like a hundred thousand people clicked on my article because I don't know what they were thinking right. when they clicked on it. I don't know, like, if anybody liked it. I just know that somebody saw it. And it's so much more meaningful to have, like, five people tell me I loved listening to this than it ever was to to get just, like, these insights or, you know, analytics about, like, what how many people saw my article with, like, no feedback whatsoever about whether it meant anything to them, you know? So like, do cool shit. That's my that's that that is <laughs> my philosophy, and it's Jeff's philosophy too. Yeah, and it's basically like it also stems to like this podcast mm-hmm. too in general of like why I started it. Just like it was a cool idea, and it was like whatever. Like let me just try it out and see what happens. And I know that like whatever sports and music is a tangible thing, and it's just like a very open concept, but then also very specific that can like people always, people always have opinions of like and experiences. Absolutely. So why not just have people on that? Like normally don't get to talk about this shit and like it's whatever. So it's cool. But yeah, anyways, um, let's move on to the final segment of the show. Um, Jackson, do you have any recommendations, a book, movie, I- Show that you're enjoying Absolutely article. Absolutely do. And it's the perfect thing to perfect. cap off this discussion. Amazing. Because what really sent me down this path was a few weeks ago, a friend of mine on very short notice let me know that there was a free online stream screaming of Never Get Tired, the Bomb the Music Industry story. It is an excellent documentary about... Um, particularly like bomb the music industry jeff's first band but also about him and his kind of like outlook on um diy like ethic and and uh and art and propagating it and if you enjoyed this conversation and you enjoy uh jeff's music or even just like like the act of people making stuff in defiance of um you know, having to make money doing it or whatever. Uh, it's really, really worth watching. And um, I don't remember what the website is, but if you Google it, um, there's actually a link on the website that will allow you to um, contact someone about setting up a screening um, in your like hometown or whatever. And 
you know, I know that one thing I want to get involved with more once like life is finally normal again is, you know, building a building communities and building like, uh, you know, a music scene and like an art scene and like building spaces where people can do this stuff. Because if we don't do it, then it's all just going to be like Coca-Cola presents the fucking, you know, this band or whatever. Yeah. And um, so like, you know, if, if there's like a youth center in your hometown and, you know, they're gearing up to have events again, fucking screen this movie and maybe some 12 year old kid will see it and ruin their life like I did and <laughs> decide to make art instead of becoming a banker <laughs> or whatever. And, uh, you know, like their life will be a lot harder, but they'll also be a lot uh, happier and more fulfilled. So, yeah. Yeah, that's all we can hope. Truly, for, is to <laughs> get it. But yeah, that's just, man. It's just an interesting thing that like what we've kind of gone through of this whole thing, especially when it comes to art. Like, not to go like I know there's so many. This has been <laughs> talked to death probably like for the past year, but it's just like this whole idea of like what has been truly important to Absolutely. us. Like what we've kind of noticed and just like this and just important to culture in general like what is this culture that we're experiencing right now of like online presence of like zoom calls and streaming or whatever like it's just this idea that like is this gonna be like what culture is now like people just gonna create at their out of their home and then we're like tuning in to see like them from their bedroom or like and but like and then maybe that's like that could some good could come out of that because it's also more of like creative and more exposure or whatever and all those buzzwords but like it's that sense of community and like geographical (laughs) that's a a word yeah geographical (laughs) geographical like actual like local community and kind of presence of like getting involved that way um and eventually we hopefully i'll be happening more but um yeah and and if if you you know if you have to swallow the pill of like doing things to survive or doing things for, for profitability or having to like um you know i mean both of us like we both wrote for the nation network and like you were able oh to God. you know you were able to leave when you know like a, a thing happened that you didn't agree yeah. with and i wasn't and one thing that I, I just can't say enough is like when shit like that happens to you like you are allowed to voice your displeasure. And, um, you know, the like as a final Jeff thing, like his set at the Pitchfork Festival was such a legendary thing to me mm. because, um, you know, he's out there and he he's doing this like he, he is having to participate in this thing that he hates that is like the, you know, the commodification of like art and youth culture or whatever. And immediately the first thing out of his mouth is i just want to give a really sincere shout out to the person at pitchfork who got fired for letting us play this festival just because there's a lift balloon around here that you're looking at you're like oh that's nice doesn't mean you have to buy anything from lift fuck it and then he goes into festival song and right as he goes into festival song he just says seventy five hundred dollars for us to play this festival (laughs) so if you're gonna take these bastards buddy make them feel embarrassed about it every fucking step of the way because like they don't know you shit yeah (laughs) yeah i've man that's yeah that's perfect that's just basically what i've experienced what we probably both experienced exactly man so it's um, it's 
it's just so nice to yeah you know like know that there are a few of us out there who are like not super enamored with having to be empty suits all the time with the with the content that we create and so it's it's really it was really really nice to come on here and talk to you about like something other than you know the narrow purview of what like i what i was taught i was supposed to talk about because i'm a sports media figure or whatever right that's that's all i can hope for um yeah i was lucky enough that i was able to i like had yahoo and my other like as a backup so like i'm not taking of like i'm standing in solidarity and like i'm losing income because of this but i i did lose income but it was like i had this already thing that was much better and like more set up and secure not eventually because i got yeah laid off because of covid <laughs> but like um but like i had this as already like i was stable somewhere else and then i was able to make yeah. my stand like and it's that unfortunate sense of like uncertainty and like instability that we like are so yeah, scared absolutely. of and like i still feel that way of like creating like i didn't start this until like i had another mm-hmm. stable job or like i had time located somewhere else that like i can dedicate time to this or like dedicated time to that craft and that's always like that putting off sense of like i'll keep this as my yeah, side absolutely. gig kind of thing like um yeah like i still write mm-hmm. a lot and i still write for sites for money but it's like it's this separate thing of like i'm not gonna just be like writing nonsense of like formulaic articles like i just want to write what i want to write and just like get and continue well it it, it means a lot to me that you started this i think it's really cool that you started it and i'm like totally happy to come on again and uh talk about other i i've got probably 10 records i could do this with at least so you know anytime you're uh you're looking to add me back into the rotation just let me know because this was a blast man Perfect. Thanks so much. Yeah, definitely. We'll definitely have your back. Um, Awesome. Jackson, where can people find your creative projects and well, uh, you you can follow me on Twitter at failsonmcdonald. You can find my hockey thoughts uh, mainly these days on my podcast, Roxy Fever. Uh, You can follow them out on Twitter at Roxy Fever. And if you're at all interested in, you know, I'm I'm getting ready to move into a sort of different. Uh, musical project post COVID, but like if you're interested in the kind of music that I've done in the past, uh, uh, you can check out my bands, uh, Timing X and The Plodes, uh, both available on most streaming platforms and uh, also on Bandcamp. So uh, yeah, just uh, I do a bunch of different shit. You can check it out at a bunch of different places. Maybe you'll like one of the things that I do. <laughs> <laughs> And I believe a Bandcamp Friday is coming up. Yes, I think, I think you're week. right. So April there you go. Second, I yeah. believe. Yeah. So there you go. Um, yeah, support Jackson's work. Um, you can find the podcast at big shiny big underscore shiny underscore goons. Follow me at no salary attained, and you can rate, review, follow, subscribe, do all those things that we need to do um, to keep this <laughs> in your life. Uh, Well, thanks, Jackson, so much for coming on.